Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. On today's episode, we're chatting with mental health specialist and newest Ramsey personality, Dr. John Deloney. Yeah, you know, John is great. We've had the opportunity to know him over the last few months. And, you know, before he joined the Ramsey team, John worked as a senior leader at multiple universities. He's had a lot of really important jobs at a lot of universities that we all know. And if you've listened to the Ramsey show at all recently, you've probably heard John sitting side by side with Dave, helping navigate this big pandemic crisis that we're in the middle of. We really love him. We love his voice. And he's also got extensive experience when it comes to personal community crisis care. And he's ridiculously smart. So he holds two PhDs in counseling and higher education. And John is such a great leader and expert that we need in the middle of this crisis. Yeah, John shares with us today how to take responsibility for our thoughts and our behaviors, some simple steps to move towards joy, and practical ways that we can keep ourselves and our families well during this season of quarantine and beyond. People are so resilient, the communities are so resilient, and um, grace finds its way through the cracks in the concrete in some pretty profound ways. And so I've just seen people deal with things that I, I just hope I never have to see on my own and they bloom in these really remarkable ways. And so I'm 100% confident that there's light on the other end of this, there's joy on the other end of this, it's really beautiful. All right, guys, get your notepad and your paper. There's a lot of good takeaways from this. Here is John Deloney. Well, John, buddy, welcome to the show, man. We're glad you're here. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Well, um, for everyone listening, you know what was neat is that we got to meet you um, a few months back at an event we were at here in town, and uh, it was just really great to hear your story, get to know you, and you recently have joined the Ramsey team as a personality, and you've got this focus, man, this passion about mental health. And so before we dive into how people really can find some peace and some practical application in the midst of this worldwide pandemic that we're in, uh, how did you find yourself on the journey of mental health and become kind of passionate about that field? I would go all the way back to when I was a kid. My dad was a homicide detective and a hostage negotiator, and he was a leader in our local church. And so people were always coming to him with crisis, whether it was the city or individual people in our small community that we grew up in north of Houston. And so I've kind of grown up um, watching the right ways and to, to handle crisis. And then I, the last almost two decades, I've worked in universities um, in crisis response and worked with local police departments and SWAT teams and things on how to do death notifications and sit with people in their messiest, ugliest time. And, and then personally, I've had these experiences myself. And so it's really become a passion of mine to help people be well, especially amid crazy times. Yeah. So let's jump right in. I mean, we're in, like we've said, this just unprecedented time. We're all taking this one day at a time, trying to do the best we can for our families, trying to help each other out as best that we can. Talk about some intentional things that we can do to keep ourselves and our families well during this time? In my house, the the thing that's been a big deal for me, I'll even say my head, is controlling the things that I can control and just let the other stuff go. Um, I've been to a lot of grad school. I've got a lot of smart friends. And the reality is I don't know anything about 
epidemiology. I don't know how viruses work. I don't know how they spread. Um, I've got a bunch of theories on how macroeconomics works and things, but anything that I'm going to spout off to the world about that is opinion and basically nonsense. And so <laughs> trying to focus and control the things I can control and not spend so much time dwelling on just this loop-de-loop of anxiety and frustration and fear. Um, also, it's become a big deal. Our, our brains tend to equate familiarity and safety. And so that's why people will stay in bad marriages or they'll stay working for a terrible boss for so long because the fear of change has a disequilibrium to our brains. And so none of us have routines right now and none of us are doing our day-to-days that we've been doing for the last six months or a year. So making a plan every day, especially if you've got a spouse and you've got some kids that are old enough, you can bring into that. But making a plan every day so that you know what today's going to look like and then you get up the next day and you make another plan for that day. In short order, our brains will start to slow down and find some some familiarity and peace in a new routine. And that's a big deal too. Yeah, that's great. You know, speaking of, you know, if you have a spouse, let's just take a kind of an offshoot there for a second and say, okay, what we're finding, I know for us, we have to be really intentional to make sure that, you know, we're getting some connecting time. You know, I mean, just, you know, every day I would go to out to the world and work and you come back, there's a level of like, hey, I missed you. It's good to see you. And, and today it's like, hey, Tag, you're it. You watch the five kids and yep. I'll try and get some work done. And and then at the end of the night, we're kind of, you know, flopping on a couch, you know, turning on a show, just glad we made it to the day. What are some advice or some pieces you could say to maybe the couples out there, just a couple practical things that they can do to stay connected and even maybe even grow in this season where we're isolated and contained with each other? I love that you're asking that. It, I think it's easy to those of us who are just suddenly um, homeschool teachers all of a sudden and suddenly working side by side from our newly made home offices, which are a pile of books and a desk and a Zoom. laptop, right? Right, yeah. right. Um, and it's easy to think like, man, if I see my kid one more time in the next hour, I'm going to lose it. And the next default setting is because I'm a crappy parent, right? Or because I don't love them like other parents do. Or if I go into the kitchen and my wife looks at me and she's the, I can just feel it, right? It's like, I need you to not be here, right? And then my default setting is, if, if I'm not intentional, is, oh, because I'm a bother or I'm an or I'm, I'm less than, right? And so I think it's just, um, I heard Brene Brown say the other day, this is all of our first pandemic. And so we just need to start every interaction with a little more grace. So this is my first pandemic as a dad, as a Ramsey personality, as a husband. And so my default setting this morning, I woke up, I leaned over and said, hey, I'm about to enter this season. And Chris, I thought this was a genius idea that I had. And she instantly went full limbic. dude. It was just like panic, which I responded to with withdrawing. And I mean, we all instantly go to our default settings and we had to take a breath and then come back and say, hey, I'm sorry I felt this way and let's reconnect. And so it's really being intentional and really graceful with one another. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah. So uh, along these lines, you know, one of my favorite psychologists, Henry Cloud, says the number one cause of mental illness is isolation. And I'm curious from your point of view, have you seen this to be true? And then what are some ways that we can intentionally cultivate healthy connections while our country is in quarantine? So I'm calling this, instead of the Great Depression, I'm calling it the Great Disconnection. So I'm somebody who is almost pathological about how important connection is. I think loneliness is one of the great, great demons of our time right now. We just outsourced all of our communication to this, right? Yeah. And different than 9-11, different than World War II, is communities would come together and be together. They'd go to their churches and their happy hours and things. And the best way I can help my neighbor right now is to be alone, right? To get away from it. Yeah. 
And so that's making it super unique right now. So we have to be hyper overly intentional about being connected. And these devices that run right now, they're not great, but they're good, right? And so I'm FaceTiming with my buddy's kids and I'm talking to college roommates that I haven't talked to in years and we're catching up, but we're trying to be hyper, hyper intentional. And then it's real important for me to remember that information is not connection. Um, communication is not connection. And so it's almost acknowledging that when the, the workday starts at my house and my kids are in school, the communication me and my wife having, we are passing along information. We're not connecting. And that is different than they've gone to bed and now we're looking at each other. And we can hold hands and we can connect. And not trying to blur those two or texting all day long, I love you, I love you, I love you. Well, then I get home and I think, I don't need to tell you I loved you. I've said it 15 times today. I didn't say it. I communicated that, but she didn't connect in that way that's going to make her feel safe and, and whole, right? So it's just being hyper-intentional about connection. Love it. Okay, well, I mean, it's so true because, you know, we barely see our neighbors ever. I literally have had like 30-minute conversations with both of our neighbors that we're all just standing six <laughs> feet apart in our yards. <laughs> But it's like, hey, yeah. so uh, those bushes look good, you know? It's like, <laughs> how's your work? You know, you start to, like, you connect in a way. I mean, we see people walking around our neighborhood that we've never seen before. The people are out. So there's some great things that I think are going to come on the other side of that. And we'll get to that in a second. But I want to stop and talk about anxiety. I mean, this is really something that you're passionate about. I mean, there are people who are extremely anxious right now. People who aren't able to pay their bills, they just lost their job. Maybe there's rumors that they're going to lose their job or they're, they're getting cut 20% for this month just to see what happens. And so one of the things I love that you said a few months back when we were listening to you give a talk is you said, anxiety is a fire alarm. And then you also said that joy and anxiety are on the same switch. And so let's just dive into that as, as our country is just anxious. We watch the news, the whole thing, like unpack anxiety and how we can manage that in this season. Uh, that's you, you put a lot of good stuff in there. So um, I think it's really important to remember that news stations, that Internet news sources, they have one job on planet Earth and one job only, and that is to sell ads. That is their job. Their job is not to communicate true information or correct information or rational information. Their job, especially if they're a publicly traded company, which many of them are, their job is to sell ads. And so they sell ads by getting me worked up and scared and off my rocker so that then I want to go buy things, right? And so the more sensational, the more red lines, the more point charts and graphs they can get me off of my normal rocker, the better they are achieving their mission. So that's number one. So number two, we're experiencing it right now, but I think we as a society or as a culture have lost any sort of language other than anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression. So I always want to take the power back from anxiety. All anxiety is, like you say, is a fire alarm. When our body smells smoke in the environment, that's it. It's not a disease that comes on us. It is not a like a color of our skin that's going to be with us for the rest of our life. It is simply um, a signal. And we've all been in a building when the fire alarms are going off and they're testing them and they tell you, hey, just go ahead and stay at your desk. The fire alarm, I mean, the alarms are loud, right? And they're real, but they aren't us. And then I think what we're experiencing right now isn't anxiety. I think it's actual fear, right? And fear is when you look outside and you're, the building is on fire. It's not just the alarm. You see it, right? And so if you just got noticed that you're, you've been laid off, that's scary. 
that is fear and that's for real, right? Or it could be shame that you didn't save up money and you still have credit card debt. Or it could be guilt that you bought that car last month and you knew you probably... So it, there's a whole range of emotions that we tend to just dump into those two. And so I really like to take the, the power back from anxiety and let everybody know that the emotions that we're all feeling right now are real and valid because this is just... This is bananas, man. It's right. And trying to dump it into a pathology and pass it off isn't very helpful. Experience it and own it, and then we can get to the other side of, well, now what are we going to go do, right? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about, you, you know, you said anxiety and joy are on the same switch. How do, we, how do we make that switch? How do we start to move towards joy when we are being overcome with anxiety? Can you talk about that some more? You bet. So I, I, where that's really important that they're on the same switch is my initial reaction to anxiety when I start feeling my alarms going off is to either distance myself from it or to try to numb it out, try to put a pillow over my ears so I don't have to hear it. And it's important to know that both of those things are basically amygdala derivative, right? They're both emotions that are coming from the same part of your brain. And so leaning into when you feel anxious, when you feel those alarms going off and, and trying to figure out why, what in my environment's going off, am I unprepared, can I get fixed, that's when you start feeling firm footing, you start reaching out for relationships and connection, and that's when joy shows itself too, right? So if you turn it off, if you numb it out, if you just sit there in front of Netflix for 17 straight hours, you're going to also lose out on connection and movement and outside and sunshine and the things that make your body feel alive. Yeah, I think, you know, this is one of those times that um, life is so busy and we can kind of mask what's going on, but maybe we find ourselves in a place of reality and honesty in this season and people do find healing in the midst of pausing and slowing down and uh, family reminded what's important, what they're supposed to be doing and, and really where they can grow and work on because it's, you know, the spotlight is bright on all of us right now and we see our faults every day. Hopefully it doesn't result in shame, but it results in an idea of going, I can get stronger. You know, I can, I can grow here. I have a spouse around me or kids around me. There's a reason for me to, to change and shift. And so one of the things I want to do is I want to ask you in the midst of all this, for those of us who know Jesus, love Jesus, how do we approach our faith and approach Christ in this season? And maybe there's something practical that you do, whatever it looks like for you and for the people listening, how can they interact with Christ in, in this midst of this craziness? I think it's important for us to remember that we know how this ends. And it's really important to remember this one basic truth that gets me through a lot of wacky situations, and that is the kingdom of God is never in trouble. And my man-made systems that I attach to it or that I may take my Jesus sticker and slap it on the side of whatever project I'm working on or whatever thing I'm trying to write, the kingdom of God is never in trouble. And so it's this foundation that I can then tether off and then take care of my family and then feel whole. And then the other reality is, is he came in the form of a relationship. And so he came as a father, son, and Holy Spirit. And the first thing he did when he started his ministry was get a community around him. Like you mentioned, like, Jenny, like he got connected, right? And so it's starting to look at what I call the big T truths of Jesus. Who was he as he lived his life and kind of made his way around town? And that's, those are the principles that I try to stick with. So right now, making sure I remain connected. Um, and then, man, he went to the garden and got down on his face and said, does it have to be like this? And also having permission to question and be frustrated and be upset and feel those emotions for real. It doesn't mean tomorrow I got to get up, I got a job to do, right? Um, and that may mean if, if Dave Ramsey lays me off tomorrow, I'm going to be at Kroger the next day, right? Because that's my responsibility as a dad and a husband. But it's okay to get on your face and say, does it have to be like this too, right? So it's just feeling that full range of being a person. 
but the kingdom of God is never in trouble. Yeah. That's good. So, you know, like you said, you, you've done a lot of schooling. Uh, you're Dr. John. You know, <laughs> I love that. Such a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got a lot of friends who are really smart people. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to have it all in textbook and here's what could happen. But what's something that's maybe surprised you as you've talked to folks in the midst of, of all that's happening that, um, yeah, you'd like to share with us today? It surprises people that know me well that I am a just a diehard optimist. And it's having been amidst people's wildest, crazy situations and seeing what happens on the other side of that. And so how people are so resilient and communities are so resilient and um, grace finds its way through the cracks in the concrete in some pretty profound ways. And so I've just seen people deal with things that I, I just hope I never have to see on my own. And they bloom in these really remarkable ways. And so I'm 100% confident that there's light on the other end of this. There's joy on the other end of this. And that's where that faith and hope, we talk a lot about hope around here at Ramsey. And um, in my little circle, I've started challenging more because, right, it's love is the great one, right? So it's finding people and situations to love and really lean on in these moments. And I'm so confident that people can rise up on the back end. We just underestimate ourselves on the front end of a hurricane. And um, it was really a beautiful thing a few weeks ago when I took my son over to watch these people as we were helping our buddy who lost everything in the tornadoes here in Nashville, just to see people up and down the street with meals and with food and with chainsaws clearing, like people show up and it's really beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, there's definitely hope even in the midst of this hurricane that on the other side, one with Christ amazing things are possible and God's going to do some big stuff. We know it. And so, yeah, no, John, thank you for being here, man. We're going to wrap up with the final three questions that we like to ask everyone. And it goes a little like this. The first question is, what is a book that has impacted you and your journey? Can I give you a few? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. We'll break the rule for you. Yep. Um, probably the most important book I've read in the last 10 years is a book by a guy named Terrence Real called I Don't Want to Talk About It which is a relationship book. It's a, it's a book about male depression, but it's really a book that talks about what men are experiencing right now. He wrote it in the late 90s, and um, I, I can't believe that it didn't sell 100 million copies other than men are sometimes stupid and don't like to talk about their feelings. Um, <laughs> and Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. That was a book that I read, and I changed my behavior the next morning um, with how important and powerful sleep is for just a well-functioning brain. Um, Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb kind of shifted how I see the world and risk and how to become stronger the more things fall apart. And then Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk. That was, that was really important <laughs> to me. Uh, nice. <laughs> that was a real important book for me. Nice. nice. I love those. Those are good books. Um, the second question is, what's a habit that's changed your life? I was thinking about this. Um, probably the habit, the thing that I do every day um, that I started a few years ago that's been transformative is uh, keeping a gratitude journal, starting every day with the phrase, um, I am grateful for, and I list five things every day. I notice it when I take some time off, and it's a centering moment. Um, cold showers is another thing that's been pretty transformative for me. I even went over to the tractor supply store and bought a, like a trough and filled it up with water, and so all winter I've been in it for three or four or five minutes a day, and it's just, it's got a physiological shift that helps me kind of get out of my normal woe is me and thinking too much. And so those are two, two That's pretty great. fun habits. That yeah. are different. If I was in a bucket of ice, I'd be thinking, woe is me. 
what is happening right now? Why am I doing this to myself? You just start feeling awesome after a minute, and um, or it's, dead. it's hard not to, or, yeah, or hypothermia. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's what I feel like I would feel. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. That, cold shower is a good way to start the morning. All right, cool, man. I'll have to tell my son about Look at it. You. <laughs> Let him give it a You're shot. Like, yeah, I'm never gonna do that ever. Cool. Listen, good. Chris, if you'll if you'll do 30 days cold showers, it'll change your life. <laughs> All right, 30 day challenge. Starting never. Okay. <laughs> All right. Third and final question is this. What advice would you give to the younger you? So I think the caveat is the younger me was an arrogant, bullheaded idiot. And so he wouldn't listen to anything, man. Um, I would have told that dude to chill out and really spend a lot more time focusing on the craft, the thing I was working towards and not focusing on so much looking like and talking about the thing that I wanted to be working on. And so I spent a long time. I got a PhD in education. I wanted to tell everybody about it. And I was applying to all these fancy jobs so I could show everybody how smart and genius I was. And it wasn't until I quit all that nonsense and I just started learning how to sit with people who are hurting and actually become a good counselor and, and work towards that. And then all of a sudden, the professional door started opening up. My relationship started getting better because it was a lot less about poser, being a poser and more about, no, learn your craft, man. Learn what you're actually talking about. And the younger John, and by younger, I mean like 18 months ago and, <laughs> and beyond, it's <laughs> uh, an arrogant idiot, man. And so life will humble, humble you. And so stop worrying and just start working hard and, and being good at what you're working at. That's great. Love it. All right, man. Well, where can people find you, follow you, look you up, maybe even get some tips on how to navigate this uh, crisis? Yeah, um, I am, like we were just talking about off camera, I didn't have any social media until a few weeks ago. So here we go, man. So I'm at John Deloney. That's all the, the tubes and the Instagrams and the all that's the Facebooks all the and all that. Okay. All of those things. Yes. And um, the tips. So I'll, I'll tell you this, being behind closed doors here, only worked it with this company for a few months. Once this thing started to really spin out and the wheels started coming off just internationally, it was cool to be behind closed doors here. And one of the first questions this company asked itself is, who can we start serving and how? And so if you go to uh, DaveRamsey.com slash hope, they are just, I mean, essentially giving away books and they're giving away Financial Peace University for the next few weeks. And every night this week, there's a, the Message of Hope series that, um, We've all recorded one. I think Rachel was last night. I think Chris Hogan is tonight. That's just trying to put positivity and hope and then some steps on here's what you actually need to be doing today to get through wacky, wacky time. Remembering that there's a light on the other end of this thing. And I'm I mean, what a blessing you, you two. I, I appreciate y'all putting some flowers in the concrete out there, just planting some seeds in hard places right now and shining some light out there. Um, it's a messy, messy moment. I'm confident we're going to get through it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, John. Well, John, thanks for being here, man. We really, really appreciate it. What a blessing. Thank you all so much. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. There's a lot going on in our world right now, and we just want you to know that we're praying for you, and there's hope that in the midst of all of this insanity that we can find Jesus, find hope, yeah. and lean on Him and His Word. And we'd love to hear how we can pray for you and how these episodes are encouraging you in this season that we're in right now, and honestly, any other way that we might be able to help you in this time. You can hit us up over on our website at letsliveitwell.com, leave us a review on iTunes, or come find us on social media. This week, Jenny and I spent some time just kind of sharing what's going on in our life, 
over on our Instagram and over on our Facebook page, uh, things that we've found that are working in the midst of this unprecedented season and things that maybe aren't working. So we'd love to hear what's going on in your world. And as always, guys, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the links mentioned, all the books mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. Well, all right, y'all, that's a wrap for today's episode. We will catch you next week. We're going to close it out like we do every single time. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it well. well.